Hi, and welcome to Connection Life Podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we explore the Word of God and lean into the Holy Spirit. Please take a moment to like and follow us on whatever platform you use, social media or whatever. Uh, You can find out more information about us and places you can find us uh, through our website, which is connectionlife.org. morning we have an amazing individual uh, who is with us this morning. Her name is Emily Tedro. She is my senior pastor and I'm very honored that she is here this morning. And we are going to be discussing the topic of revival and she has some amazing uh, things to put to input. She has some amazing input for this particular topic. And so I just I just want to welcome Emily, welcome you to the podcast and Thank just, you. just give us some who you are, where you come from, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my, Matt told you I'm Emily Tedrow. Um, <laughs> I am the daughter of Denny Klein, who is a, a pastor here in the region here in Oregon in the Willamette Valley. And um, he he started pastoring when I was about five years old, and we pastored a little country church. And um, God showed up in that little country church and marked me as a young woman. And I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to um, give my life in that way. I wanted to, I thought I was going to be a teacher. I thought I, if I really lived out my dreams, I'd be a country singer. And um, I really just wanted to be a mom and a wife. And so I am a mom and a wife and I'm a teacher in some ways. Um, but definitely not teaching public school. And I'm not a country singer um, because I got bit big time by the revival bug. And um, yeah, I just fell in love with Jesus as a young woman. So awesome. Um, I will I will make a, I will insert a comment here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you are a very talented singer. I cannot see you singing country. Oh. Um, I, and, and the reason I grew up listening to country music and mm-hmm. my standards are not by today's standards, they've, they've changed a lot. But um, what I what I do see is, while I we mm-hmm. you know Nancy and I both enjoy your worship very much, uh, and and the reason is there's such an anointing on our worship team, and I mm-hmm. I guess I'm a little bit partial to our church's worship, yeah. but it's a little bit different. Having grown up my entire life in church and uh, served not only as a pastor myself, but also in a number of different churches, served at different positions and stuff. I will say that our church has a worship team. Unparalleled is probably the word. And it's not just because they sound great. Right. It's because the heart is so real. Yeah. Uh, and so I and, and you fill in as worship leader quite often. So do. we do get a chance to listen to your worship and your style. But there is a reality in your teaching, and I will say teaching. And and here's here's a kind of a definition. So I grew up in the Pentecostal circles, and there was preaching. Yes. And it wasn't until quite literally I stumbled onto a guy named Bill Johnson before I found teaching uh-huh. as opposed to preaching. And what I want to define that as preaching is is if you're in the front row, and if you're Pentecostal, and if you grew up in the Pentecostal circles, you understand if you're in the front row, you're going home wet. Yeah. Okay, and what I mean by that, if you're listening, if you're listening, and I have seen some serious spitting going on from the pulpit, uh, having grown up in it, uh, 
here's here's a here's a reality check though. People don't learn from preaching, they learn from teaching. Yeah. If you walk away from a service feeling guilty, you probably got preached at and it's probably for the most part ineffective. Yeah. But if you walk away from a uh, from a uh, a sermon or or from a, a service having found something new or something powerful, you've been you've been taught. Now that's that's not to say that all preachers or all all right. Pentecostal preachers are like you know spitting on the first row. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen it where where you're, you know the majority of the time you're at you're wishing the guy would wipe his yeah. lips anyway. Um, but uh, there's a reality in your teaching that that Nancy and I both get a lot from it. And the reason is, is because when you come out and begin to speak, it's more like you're having a conversation mm-hmm. with us. And the Holy Spirit is teaching because you are a real person. You're not you're not somebody who's putting on, you know, wearing the fancy clothes and the, right. and the and, the, and has all the, the pat answers. And, you know, your your sermons all memorized. You're a real person. Mm-hmm. The difference is and, and it's not. It's not to pick on those who don't do that, but there's a reality where you're able to relate to that person when they're speaking in that manner, as opposed to the one who's up there who seems to have everything perfect in their life, mm-hmm. because there there is an understanding that they don't. Right. None of us do. So if you're portraying that you've got it all squ- all squared away and everything's perfect, yeah. you're lying in a after a fashion and what you end up with is you end up like i said leaving there feeling guilty because you haven't got this that kind of stuff is what why we have such a gap now yeah. between the saved and the unsaved because there's so many people well i don't want to go sit there and feel guilty and feel rotten about myself so right. there is there's a distinct and and we're going to be discussing revival and i apologize for this long opening but the there's a reality that revival isn't coming Real revival mm-hmm. isn't coming, and and I we don't have revival for revival's sake, right? But for the sake of those that are lost, and for the sake of the presence, mm-hmm. for revival to come, we got to get over the religious aspects of our belief, mm-hmm. and realize none of us have it figured out. Only Christ, and through that process, it's like what I said, the way you teach is such a, it's humbling, it's an, it's engaging, and. Nancy and I come away with, oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's like a whole shift. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that the authenticity comes through because, you know, I think religion is one of the biggest oppositional forces of revival and religion is pretty much anything done in the name of God that he's not in. And yeah, I mean, religion without power is, is a, is a, it's an oxymoron. Yeah. It really is. And so much of, oh boy, I hate to be, I don't like to speak negatively of my brothers and sisters, but so much of our Christianity today is just that. Well, it's a trap. I mean, it's enticing to us for a reason. And we get, it doesn't, we don't start out going, I want to get caught up in religion. It just, it's a, it's a trap of the enemy, you know, to keep us powerless. It becomes more processed. Than mm-hmm. presence, right? Ooh. Absolutely. Okay, folks, you can quote that one. Um, <laughs> all right. So our topic today, of course, is revival, mm-hmm. and uh, so I am going to shut up and get out of the way and let Emily speak. <laughs> so we have five okay. five simple questions, and we'll just go through them one at a time, and they okay. might overlap, and we'll see what happens. So first and foremost, define revival in your own words. Well, I would define revival as the awakening of. I mean. 
revival in the church, revival in believers. Um, I assume that's the revival that we're talking about, but really any kind of revival is the awakening or the bringing back to life of something that is dead. And, um, you know, I, I follow an interior designer and she calls her part of her, um, her business is got the word revival in it. And she's talking about reviving old homes out of broken, you know, brokenness and reviving them back to life. So revival is a relevant word outside of the church too, but within the kingdom of God, reviving revival is the awakening and the bringing back to life that which was dead. And um, it's much bigger than that, but that's like the baseline definition for me. I don't think you have revival without the presence of God being tangible, you know, the supernatural at work, people are getting healed, saved, delivered, set free, families are restored. You know, we have the saying in our church back in 2006, my dad heard the audible voice of the Lord in um, Brazil. And he said to him, Denny, the key to revival is the restoration of family. That is the restoration of family is not revival, but it is one of the symptoms or the fruits of revival. So there's a lot of things that happen once that which was dead has been brought back to life. And so for me, that's what revival is. Our old crusty hearts getting set back on fire for Jesus. Chris Vallotton has a brand new book out, and I'm tempted to grab it. Yeah. And it is it is on the, I can't remember, I wish I could remember the title, but the, the essence of the book is the battle to bring fathers back into their homes. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe, and of course, he has a lot of statistics. I've been listening to a lot of his sermons over the last probably two plus years where he talks about this being the most fatherless generation in history, um, so apart from from uh, during, I, I think I believe during World War II, when most of those fathers were off fighting the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, the fatherlessness is because fathers have, quote, better things to do with yeah. their lives. And it is very, very self-destructive. There's a huge, huge percentage of those in prison that uh, had no father in the home, uh, those who have uh, done horrible things or lost their lives in things like gangs and so on, uh, drug use. And so much of it can be attributed to the incomplete family. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so, yeah, I would say that that's one of the big things, not only the family in the home, which mm-hmm. is what we were just talking yeah. about, but the family of God absolutely, who live in relationship with each other. One of the, we were talking about this, this is not a shameless plug, uh, but we were talking about the growth series. Uh-huh. One of the things that uh, is a, a wonderful example is the, I don't know how much you know about the Redwood tree. Of course, I grew up in the Redwoods. Mm-hmm. My father worked in uh, Redwood and cut it and sold it. And so I grew up in it. The odd thing about the Redwood tree is it's the tallest tree in the world, but it has no taproot. Mm. It does not naturally grow with a taproot, which is what holds up your tall trees. Mm-hmm. These trees stay in place because the roots are constantly wound and interwoven with the trees around them. Mm. And some of these roots are only a few feet deep and you've got a two or 300 foot tree. Yeah. It's that community that family it's so so important yeah it's a word that has marked our house for sure because we have experienced revival and i know we'll get into that we have experienced true revival and what initially revival did was make a giant mess and 
But what it was, it's like the fire of God is really meant to do what it says in the Bible, to refine us, to bring mm -hmm. up the, the dross in our life and to purify us. And so sometimes what happens is like, okay, the Holy Spirit is hitting us and the fire of God is, is touching our lives. And it looks, it gets messy all of a sudden because the things that have been below the surface that have caused us to become dead in our spirit, that have caused us to become callous in our heart and desensitized to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Those things now are being brought up when the fire hits us. And so it's like, this is good though. This is so good. It's scary when you're around it or you, you look like, what's going on? Like, why is this person, you know, all their stuff is showing, but it's an invitation from the Lord to go deeper. And the evidence of true revival is that those things become healed and restored and delivered from and set free and a new creation, you know? And so um, we, we began to see that as revival as, or as renewal or as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit began to wane, true revival was actually beginning to take place in people as they were doing business with the Lord and as their families were getting set right. And their hearts were being truly healed from some of these things, you know, like you hear about revival in prisons. Well, the evidence of a revival in a prison is when the prisoner gets out and how they walk out their life and how they clean up their messes and, you know, right. um, they are restored to their families and it's not all easy and it's not all roses. Like we think revival is the, the fix it all. And it is on some levels, but it is, it's not just a magical potion that everything becomes beautiful. It's not a waving of a wand. It is, it is an invitation to go deep with the Lord and allow that true transformation of our hearts and our minds to take place. So. Amen. I'm, I'm often fascinated by, like you're saying, what we're, what, when we think about revival and, and like it's supposed to, to, to resolve everything. Yeah. And as you were saying, uh, revival is, is, is messy. Yeah. It, it can create all kinds of what we may think of as negative fallout when actually it's like what you were saying, there's there, these things don't become exposed. God isn't trying to make people feel bad. He's right. trying to uh, refine us. Like yeah. you were saying about the fire. Yeah. He needs us to, he, he's, he's needing us to, to step out and let that, which isn't, our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Remember, I was having a conversation with you uh, when we had uh, a lady come up on the stage, yeah. and uh, it was, um, um, it was odd, awkward. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was thinking those, to myself, huh, "What are you doing, God?" Yeah, yeah. And and it was so funny because my mind immediately went, "This is not right. This yeah. isn't okay." Yeah. And the Yours whole, and about and the, other people. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit said, "You ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. You think that's weird." We're just getting started, uh -huh. and and it is it is things it is stepping out of our comfort zone. It is doing things that are not going to be typical church. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons the church is in so much trouble right now mm -hmm. is because of typical church. Right. It's been this process. Okay, we get together, we sing some songs, we get a little bit of word, we gather together once in a while for other things. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's not what God's wanting to do. He wants a 24-7 crazy relationship with mm -hmm. us that's going to put us off of our comfort spot because that comfort spot doesn't only have a lot to do with his presence. Right. And I don't know how many times I've had the Holy Spirit uh, hit me either in a service or in my personal time or whatever. 
I, I walked out, I got out the door. I usually try to, to get up around 530 and, and, and walk the neighborhood. Well, I go out. I don't even remember what it was. I put on a song or somebody's podcast and I get about five steps down the sidewalk and I'm bawling. Yeah. And I'm like, what in the world? And I could just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit around me. And I'm like, you know, I'm out here. People can see me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so what? Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to just let God do His thing. It's true. Because His thing's not, and I think one of the reasons we have to is because His thing is not going to be our thing. It's not going to be that place where we're good. So yeah. let's move on. So yeah. um, this this is probably kind of halfway answered already. But do we, as the church, need revival for us or for the world? Yes. <laughs> was, and yeah, yes. I was going to add to that, or both. Yeah, or both. Um, it is definitely both. Yes, we need revival for ourselves. And yes, we need revival for the world. It's it's definitely both. Um, we don't have anything to offer the world if we haven't first That's experienced good. it. So, um, you know, and the world can see through BS <laughs> all day long. And they want something that's real. And they need the real Jesus. And they need the real presence of God. And the real um, raw power of God. Um, Because they're getting all kinds of, you know, powerful things out there. We we must be true carriers of the presence of God. And so we desperately need revival. I need revival every day. I need revival to, you know, to pastor. I need revival to mother, to be a wife, to be, you know, to help my husband in his business. We we just need revival on a daily basis. Um, and when I say that, we need to be fully alive, fully awake, uh, fully connected to the Godhead and living in that overflow of relationship. And that's my own personal. And there's times where it's like, you know, you know what it's like when you're you're just going through the motions of life and then you're you're just feeling dry. And then you do, you go on this walk and you feel this invitation from, from the Lord to press in a little bit deeper. And I would say that's a measure of personal revival, but then it goes even deeper where it's like, I must have God. I must have Jesus. I must have his presence. I can't live. I can't do life. I can't do the basic things without constant infilling of his presence. And it affects everything around you. It affects the way when you're in the midst of personal revival, you're not like cursing out your employees. You're not doing the things that our flesh easily does. It, we're living in the overflow and the abundance of our relationship with him. And it affects all aspects of life. It affects the way we parent, the way we, you know, hopefully, I mean, if it's true re- personal revival, it's going to affect your home. It's going to change the way you relate to the people in your family, your workplace. It's going to change the way we spend our money. It's going to change all aspects of our life. And, um, you know, the world doesn't know that they need us to live that way, but they do. And when empowered people that are living in, I've just seen so much city transformation come from fully awakened people. I've seen it in our own city. You know, we have our own in-house Mother Teresa at JPC, um, Deb Powell, and uh, she's like just such a beautiful woman and such a beautiful example of what it looks like to love and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And she's doing it from a place of personal revival. That's how it started. And um, in order to do what she does, she has to live in that place of Abba, I need you come and fill me fresh. There's not a time that I get together with Deb that we don't just start weeping because of the presence of God in the room. That's just the way that 
that she has to live. That's the way I have to live. So she she's uh, she's an incredible lady. What do you say to the person who is hungry for that kind of relationship with God, but their church, their leadership is pursuing other things? Well, it starts in your, it starts, I don't know, personal revival happens for me in the shower every morning. You know? <laughs> like, it's like in my car on the drive-in. Like mm-hmm. I, I have never been a part of a church. I can just say that I have lived in that blessing. I'm a pastor's kid through and through. My dad is a you know, I know you'll get to meet him and uh, your listeners will get to meet him. And um, he is, we call him a notorious God chaser. He has modeled revival for me my whole life. And so I don't know what it's like to be part of a church per se, but I did grow up in a um, conservative Baptist Christian school upbringing where, you know, I think people were hungry for not so much the things of the spirit because they didn't know what but they were hungry to be followers of Jesus and to live the life um, that Jesus would have them to live. Beautiful people, beautiful people. It's no judgment, but they did not understand the moving of the Holy Spirit. I remember being in school and one of my friends asked me, I was a senior in high school and they asked me about speaking in tongues. And at the time I hadn't spoken in tongues yet. And I hadn't had that experience of that baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they were asking me like, Hey, what's the, what does the Bible say about tongues anyways? And I just happened to know. (laughs) So we turned, you know, there in Corinthians and we were reading and my teacher just came and just shut the Bible and was like, not today, girls, not today. You know, it was like, we're not going to, we don't want to touch that. We're that like, those gifts are not for today and meant it with all our hearts, with all sincerity. Like those were things that happened then. This is not happening now. We don't do that now. And I just remember being like super confused by that. But I, um, I was hungry for the Lord, you know, and I think our own personal hunger and our own times with the Lord, if you are hungry, so for the listener that you just mentioned, if you are hungry for the presence of God, uh, the Bible says no good thing will he withhold for those who walk according to his purposes. No good thing will he withhold from you. You can ask anything in, in his name. And, you know, he is a good father. If you ask him, for bread, he's not going to give you a, a serpent or a snake or a stone. Or he, it says he he delights to give us good gifts, and he, he his son was the greatest gift. His spirit was the the greatest gift, you know, that he left with us. So if we are asking to be filled with his spirit, he's going to do that for us. So I would just say, personally, press in. Don't worry about what your church is going after. You can jump in with vision if you, if God has called you to that place. You can serve and you can be a part of it. And um, as you are personally being awakened, it is going to affect other people. I remember in that same little same little group of people, my same senior year, we had gotten we had been experiencing the the Father's blessing, the Toronto blessing, that outpouring of the Spirit in the early nineties. Man, our little church was just going bonkers, like growing. It was you know, the building held 120 people and we had four and 500 people showing up. And so people were laying out on the lawn and we were putting speakers outside. And just so people were hungry to experience the tangible outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I brought my sweet little best friend um, from school who had never experienced anything like that before, but she loved Jesus and she was broken. We had both gotten in a terrible car accident and she was carrying shame from getting me and almost killing me in a car accident. And she'd been carrying that shame for a long time. And she came into that meeting and 
man, the Holy Spirit hit her and she had never fallen out in the Holy Spirit before. Neither had I like, you know, this is my upbringing, but I had never experienced that stuff. But my sweet little friend, she went up to have shame broken off of her and the Holy Spirit met her in her desire. And she, the fire of God hit her and she just went out. Like she just fell down under the power of the Holy Spirit. And she was probably out for three hours. Wow. And the fire of God was just on her. And here's my sweet little Baptist friend. You know, her church wasn't going after that, but she was hungry for Jesus and she showed up and she brought her brokenness to him. And I think that's a real big key is we bring our, all of our stuff, you know, we just say, take it, use it, do whatever you can with it. Lord, heal me. And man, she was never the same again. She She's been a missionary. She's been all kinds of things like the power of God filled her, changed her forever. She still is part of that sweet little Baptist church today. Wow. But she's filled with the Holy Ghost. So, Well, if your question is, what do I do? There's your answer. Yeah. You just come hungry. Yeah. I I actually want to define what it means to be hungry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's an interesting thing. Our bodies are so, I mean, to assume that we evolved is just nonsense. There's there's an intricacy to our body mm-hmm. that is amazing. And I think one of the things that we don't we often deal with, we don't realize it. But when we when our body is needing, I'm talking the physical body, when it needs something specific, yeah, you will hunger for that. So like if you're needing salt in your mm-hmm. body, you will need you will desire salty food. Um, if you're needing a sugar, you will desire, which I have that problem all the time. But anyway, <laughs> my point is this, is that is that when our spirit is missing something, yeah, we have to numb it down and tell it to shut up to avoid it. Yeah, fill it with Because we need, and that's one of the things that we need is the presence of God. Yeah. It's not just knowing God. It's being in the presence where his spirit is doing something amazing. And it may be on the way to work in the morning, mm-hmm. or it may be in the midst of a, uh, a, a, a building with thousands of other people worshiping. Mm-hmm. But there's a need in us. I used to say it like this. There's a God-shaped throne mm-hmm. in our hearts that sits empty until we put him on it. Mm-hmm. And there's a shift in our lives when we desire to put him there mm-hmm. that is unstoppable. You can't walk away from it and it will eat at you, especially if you've experienced it or if you have a friend mm-hmm. who's got it and you're like, oh, there's something about her I yeah. need. And so that's very succinctly and shortly the definition of what it means to hunger. We mm-hmm. we have this need that can't be filled with any other, right. even if we would try. Because we do. We, we got all kinds of things in the flesh that we try to, which is almost kind of a funny statement that we work so hard to fill our spiritual need with fleshly things. Yeah. It doesn't work. But it's work. not really any different than what you're saying about needing food. Like, you know, you're hungry. We need healthy, nutrition, nutritious foods, but like, well, quickly, I, well, I'm just speaking about me. I'll quickly reach for the bag of chips, you know, and it's like lacks very little nutritional value may fill the void for a second, but then you're like almost immediately in need again. And the nutritional thing has not been filled. And the same thing is true in this, in, you know, in our life in God, like we need to be filled with the word of God and we need to be filled with the knowledge and the presence, like not just 
knowledge about who he is, but like relational knowledge, face-to-face time with God and um, just intimacy with the Lord. And that is actually, you know, we sing songs, we recite verses that say nothing else will satisfy. And that is actually the truth. But like how many times do we fill it with entertainment or Netflix or like just people or just busy, busy, busy stuff. And it's not even always out of disobedience. It's just sometimes we literally have to just stop and say, Hey, I need to take the time to get in the word. I need to take the time to have a conversation with God. I need to take the time to worship him in myself. And many of these things we do, we wait until Sunday morning or Wednesday night or Friday night or whenever it is we have our services and then we would constantly struggle. And mm-hmm. I think the easiest way to put it is, is if you are out of practice, mm-hmm. you're going to lose that fight. It's true. Yeah. And it's a discipline Yeah, to bring it back. It is. But there also comes this place of like, you know, we've all, I don't want to say we've all been there. I've been there a million times. Like, ah, oh, I need God. I just feel like, you know, I just, I'm not connected to you like and like I know I have tasted and seen when you have tasted and seen the goodness of God like nothing really else does satisfy so you you get to this space of like I need the Lord I need to I need his presence and it's just an immediate like turning if you just turn towards him he comes rushing in it's it's almost like he just follows right real close behind us as soon as we stop and turn around, there yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. So he's just waiting yeah. for us to like. Well, and, turn and our attention. you know, Paul tells us, and I would quote the scripture, but uh, I'm off my game today. Um, <laughs> but he tells us that it's worse having known yes the things of God and turned away from them mm-hmm. than it is to never have known. Right. And it is because we do have that that fulfillment in our hearts. That is not like any other fulfillment. Right. And I've known people who have walked away from God or have chosen the um, kind of the secularized version mm-hmm. of Christianity. And they're a mess all the time. I, yeah. Well, I, I know them. I look at one in the mirror sometimes. Yeah, you know, sometimes but, but in my past, you know, growing up in church, when I was 13 years old, I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, did all those things. But in my 20s, I went my own way. Yeah. And, it, and there was always something in the back of my mind was like, you're doing this wrong. You've got to get back to God. Mm-hmm. You need to get, stop playing this game. But, but you know, and I got a good taste of the world. Yeah. You know, I went in the army and I did all those things and, and, and just partied up. And, and at some point, just not long before I turned 30, I realized I can't live like this. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's going through that. It's like you, have to get to the point where I say, you know what, my priority needs to get back to God. Yeah. Even if you're, even if you're quote a Christian and serving the Lord, but you're not prioritizing Him, mm-hmm. because He prior, prioritizes us. Yeah. He is constantly there for us. I don't know how many times that my wife and I have looked at our situation and tried to figure out how in the world did that work. Right. Because He was prioritizing us, mm-hmm. and we need to do the same thing to Him. Yeah. All right, so question number three, or four, or ten, wherever we're at. Yeah. Tell us about your experience with revival, which you basically kind of did. I have a little bit, yeah. Um, I would say my first experience with revival, um, I was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old. My parents um, were really hungry for the Lord. And what's funny is we went from no relation, like my family, I'm an only child, so, you know, like, I was just in 
life with my parents all the time. Like the sun and moon and stars set because of me. Um, like, <laughs> you okay. know, like I will edit that out. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's how it was like growing up. Like I was sort of the center of their universe. They were hippies and, uh, you know, my mom was a teacher and my dad was building a house and he was really pretty much not doing anything other than building a house. And, um, and they were Christians, but they were not plugged into a community. They had not been discipled. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, smoking weed on a regular basis as a young girl. And, um, and he started having some health problems. And then it was like, maybe my life is not lining up with, you know, he was in his, his very early thirties at the time. And he's like having heart problems and all kinds of stuff. And he just was like, my life is like not, there was an emptiness and a, like he, he had given his life to Jesus, but he had not surrendered his life to Jesus. And I, he came out of the whole, um, you know, Jesus freak movement, you know, the whole Je- people, Jesus people, Jesus people. Yeah. yeah. In the seventies. And, and so now, you know, he's got a little family and they're building a house here in Oregon and my mom's going to work and they're just doing their thing. And there was this sudden thing that came over my dad. And I remember as a little girl watching it and just being like, dad, are you going to be okay? You know? And, um, but he began to be like, so dissatisfied with his life and, um, the spiritual state of his life, I should say, not his cute little family, but the spiritual state of his life and, and our next door neighbors that we moved out to Oregon with became Jehovah's Witnesses. And my dad was like tormented by that thought, you know, and he began to press in for the Lord. And he, like I said, he was building a house. He was driving me to kindergarten. He was doing this stuff and he would just go and he would pray and he would pray. And the first time I experienced revival was in our house. Um, it was, you know, my, my parents, that they had a group of people that would come to our house and they would just worship and, um, you know, they would read the Bible together. And I remember the Holy Spirit, none of them knew what was going on. Like they had never encountered this before, but in their pressing in for the Lord, the Holy Spirit began to pour out. And I remember watching my parents just like weeping and crying and shaking and laughing and, you know, just God was touching them. And and I was like, at first I was like, are you guys okay? You know, just a little kid. And they're like, it's Jesus. It's God. You know, he's touching us and he's filling us. And I was like, well, this is wild. You know, like I've never seen anything like this before. And that group of people was so hungry and they actually began a little home church. And, um, and that was, that was how life was for like three years. I, in our little house, Holy Spirit came every day. And it was like, you know, just my dad would regularly be reading his Bible and just weeping. And he was experiencing personal revival and it was affecting and changing our family. And um, he was voracious for the word of God. And he had never been formally trained or any of that kind of stuff. But revival is literally what raised this man up into be a powerful, you know, minister of the gospel. And so, you know, this, the story kind of goes from there. He be, actually became a pastor of the local body in the country in this cute little missionary Baptist church. And we were experiencing that what happened in our house did not stop it. That kind of stuff was happening. Neighbors were getting saved. Um, there was this little community was experiencing transformation as a result of the revival that was happening in my home. Um, wow. It was really That's radical, amazing. you know, and as a kid, you don't know it's, this is just life. You don't know that this is not normal. Um, until I went to my Christian school and no one else was experiencing this stuff. And I was just like, oh gosh, my parents are weird, but I really like this. This is really cool. Like I'm seeing people who were once, you know, the, um, I don't want to say the town drunk, but like, you know, you kind of knew their story 
and everybody in the little community knew their story and you're watching them become a different person and for the better and they're getting their life together and they're and it was a result of revival that was happening first in our home then in our church community and then it was going beyond so i don't really remember from that time on that there wasn't some sense of revival happening in my world um and it always was affecting other people but I mentioned before, you know, this little church and my my little friend that, um, you know, fell out in the power of God. That was an actual outpouring of the Holy Spirit where, you know, I suddenly came upon our church. It was one of those moments where it was like the presence of God came in so thick, the fire of God, the power of the Holy Spirit was at work and people were getting healed, like true miracles happening. You know, my dad tells a story of this one little gal who had a brain injury who suddenly, she had never read, she suddenly, her eyes came into focus, her brain injury was healed. She read the Bible through and through, like within a week's time, um, like cover to back. And she she could not read before. Um, like this radical healing. They said she was going to live in a group home the rest of her life. She was completely healed, got married, had children of her own. Like just, we're talking radical healings. Um, people that would have cancer, they knew they got healed, but the doctor was like, no, you still need to have the surgery. They'd go in and they'd be like, there's nothing there. You know, just like healing, 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 deliverance, or like watch demons, you know, manifest and be cast out and people who had been just in darkness come into light, total transformation of their lives. And so this is like, you know, 1993 now and this outpouring that's wild and people are coming and you're like, there's no internet, there's no I mean, maybe there was internet, but surely we did not have it. We didn't have this mechanism that we have now to tell people what was going on. This is all word of mouth, like call your brother, call your friend, like the phone tree. Get here. (laughs) Get here. God's doing something. And it was happening. The police showed up multiple times because there was a little graveyard in the church backyard. And they, some neighbors had called and said, like, there's something wild going on in that church. And we think that there's grave robbers or something, you know. So the police came to make sure that the cemetery was okay. I thought you were going to say people were getting up out of the grave. (laughs) No, not yet. Not Um, yet. But we believed for it for sure. But they were like, okay, carry on, do your thing. You know, just people were getting saved and it was pretty awesome. From there, we planted the church here in Albany. We felt like God was moving us here. We planted this church out of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Literally our first Sunday, you know, we were in downtown and um, like, prostitutes were literally coming in off the street and um, witches were showing up. And like, you just know that revival is happening when not only are the Christians coming, but the demonic demonic is showing up. And that's why what Mm. you said the other day about like, it's going to get a whole lot weirder. What happened on the stage that day? No, that was not Holy Spirit. What was happening on our stage, but the Holy Spirit like actually caused that thing to manifest, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, it 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 causes the demonic to appear too. And so one that my, is an evidence of revival. One of my favorite stories from scripture is about the demoniac mm-hmm. in the Gadarenes. Yes. And if you read it as you as you if you look at the little details, the demon-possessed man that lived there in the tombs saw Jesus yeah. and recognized who Jesus was from up on the hill somewhere. Right. And the Bible says he ran to him. This was a, not a demon, but a whole bunch of right. demons. Um, they even called themselves legion. legion. But he recognized the presence mm-hmm. 
and ran to him. And we've heard, I don't know how many times I've heard stories about the revival and the demonic and the witches and yeah. whatnot would show up. And the human side of that might think, I'm here to prove you wrong. Right. The demons like can't resist right. the power of God and are drawn to it, which yeah. is a fascinating thing, but very scriptural. So it's not like some weird off the wall thing. No, totally. And and as, as much as that makes me uncomfortable, because I've kind of had a face-to-face in the past that scared the yeah. not out of me. Yeah. But uh, as much as that is uncomfortable, I know that's coming. Yeah. I mean, it. that's what the power of God is for, is to set people free. Whether that's in physical healing or emotional or healing out, yeah. or casting out de- devils and getting people free from oppression. And um, so, yeah, that was definitely an evidence of revival. So my experience with revival is, you know, that it's been for the most part in my life ongoing. And until the, it seems like in the last like 10 years, there's been a waning of that outpouring, like a corporate outpouring. And I think we get you know, Bobby Connor says this, uh, we're too familiar with a God that we barely know. And I think sometimes being in that atmosphere of revival, you can think that everything is just firing on all cylinders, you know, but personal revival is still what sustains corporate revival. And I think you can be in a space of corporate revival and think that you got the personal going. And, um, you know, John 15 is one of my favorite parts of scripture where it talks about, you know, all fruitfulness comes from abiding in the vine. You must be intimately connected and joined to life union with me in order to have any fruitfulness. You have to abide in the vine. And so I think the church, not just our church, but the big C church, um, especially the charismatic church in the last 10 years has been going through a refining process um, of personal, you know, things dealing with stuff. And it's actually been the kindness of God that the outpouring of his presence has lifted in some regards, because when you refuse to deal with some of those things, and the fire is just roaring hot, I think it's, it can actually be a dangerous thing, um, you know, for our, our true spiritual life with God, that we think that we're connected, we think that we're following, but actually we're very acquainted with a God that we barely know. And so we're getting back to that heart of worship and we're getting back to that space of true intimacy with the Lord and dealing with some of the things in our foundations that need care and attention right now. I think one of the things that um, really impacted Nancy and I was during the shutdown of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, we were going to a different church, but during that shutdown, the disconnection yeah. between church leadership and the individuals was uh, huge. And the disconnection that Nancy and I experienced kind of fostered a deeper sense of it's not about me and my church, right. it's about me and God. Absolutely. And I don't know, I, I, I've talked to a number of people who kind of had the same experience where their faith and their connection to God actually grew because it was no longer, I have to make an effort. Yeah. And that's one of the struggles I think that a lot of people have in experiencing a real 
a connection with God is they base their connection with God on their Sunday morning, uh-huh. whatever connection to their church. Right. And, you know, it's it's almost like it's I talk to God through my church and that's not how it's supposed no. to be. And no, so that's just like the celebration of what God's doing in our yeah, personal life. Yeah, right? we're, we're meant to come together, worship corporately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, we're, we're told multiple places our faith is built and there's all these different things yeah. that church does when we gather together. And like we were talking about, the need for the community is yeah, paramount. And those roots being connected. Exactly. Yeah. But if a tree in the middle of that redwood forest is dead, it's still dead. It doesn't right. make a difference if it's connected to everybody around it True. or not. It still needs that life in itself. So, And a, and the church is called the church because it's a gathering. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the different parts of the body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's if you're right handed and you cut off your right hand, it's going to be very difficult to use your left hand for that process, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, whether it's brushing your teeth, feeding your face. Yeah. You know, putting on your mascara, (laughs) combing your hair, whatever it is, whatever job that you do with your right hand because you're right handed or vice versa, left handed. Same thing. I can't walk in my shoes with my hands. I need my feet. And we sometimes forget, yeah, but we're part of the same body, but we're made up of so many individuals. And every single one of those individuals need, if my left hand is, if there's something wrong with it, my hand is broke and it's in a cast, whatever it is, I can't use it. Right. I need that left hand. Right. God didn't give us two hands because it's okay for us just to have one. We need the different parts of the body, but each part has to be individually connected or it's useless. Right. And it's the same thing in the body of Christ. We need the church, but first we each need our individual connection to God. And in that process, we can work and be healthy and get things done. But when certain uh, parts get removed or or has damage or whatever Mm -hmm. we either have to take care of that person that person needs to be connected to the king yeah during that time when everything was shut down nancy and i grew by leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. Um, and and i was amazed that as the things started coming back to to life how much change had taken place in us yeah i think that's true of a lot of people and and honestly i think right now the church is in a little bit of a struggle because I think a lot of people had exactly what you just said. And then they're kind of in this space of like, well, I guess I don't need the church, you know? So there's a bit of, there's going to be a little bit of a, a adjustment in that too. Um, we do need one another, but we absolutely, it starts, it starts first and foremost, us and God. There's something really cool about getting together though. in that corporate, there's, there's no worship service. I mean, I... I don't know. It's a toss up for me because I've just had these beautiful times with the Lord one on one, just me and him with the I, piano. I, you know? I agree. I've spent times. I'll be, I've had experiences also in, in the music uh, part, but I've been in my shop mm-hmm. and I'll have, a, you know, a word going or, or just listening to the Bible or music or something. And I'll feel the Holy Spirit start mm-hmm. talking to me. There's been times when I've laid in the bed mm-hmm. and just one of the one of the desires that's come over me over the last probably about the last two weeks is because we, we have set times when we pray mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. and it's felt like the holy spirit said you know we need to have more one-on-one mm-hmm. we need to have more conversation which is opening a door because i'll go to bed 
and I'll lay there wide awake. Mm-hmm. Fully not I'm not we're not talking like you know, drowsy, but like mm-hmm. and start having my conversation with God. And then he downloads stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Or or there's just just different places. But I think a lot of it is is when we recognize our issue, like and I'm I'm really good, I should say. <laughs> I'm really good at, at drawing in examples. Yeah. When I recognize that I got a bad tire, mm-hmm. I have to be intentional about what I do. Right. When there's something that it the car's not broken, it's a tire that needs care. Just like I need a little more time talking mm-hmm. to my dad. Yeah. That kind of thing requires me to be intentional about what to do next. Yeah. And as we draw closer and closer to God, those are the things that starts to happen to us. Mm-hmm. Is we begin to because what I have discovered is if I'm intentional about studying the word, mm-hmm. I will find time. Yeah. Because that's one it's of the, one of our biggies. It's like, oh, I don't have time for it. Right. If you're intentional about it, you know you need it. You will find time. It, true. it may not be easy and you may have to sacrifice something else, but you will. And that's what we have to do. And we talked about hunger. And that's one of the things that kind of overcomes me in my personal experience is there are times where like, oh, man, I got to get in the word. I need to do this. I need to do that. I mm-hmm. need these things because that's how I'm made. Yeah. You know, so but that growth, I think, you know, it's at, at any level. If the church is going to move into revival, it's not mm-hmm. going to happen just because the pastor wants it. No, worship it's not because it's, we really want it. And yeah, <laughs> you know, I, our staff, we pray as a staff for an hour together, three times a week and revival comes up constantly Yeah, and his presence and, you know, come Holy Spirit. I mean, it's, we pray for people in the church and we pray for, you know, boring things like finances and all that kind of stuff. We, we pray for the, the nitty gritty, but 90% of our cry is come Holy Spirit, do it again. We want you, you know, break in. You can have every agenda. You can have any program you can have. And so I know, you know, we, we fast and pray every year. We do all these things. I know it's not just about the pastor. It's not just about the leadership. It's, it is about the family of God coming and, and offering ourselves in full surrender to the Lord. And there's, there's these moments where God just breaks in and he does something. And there's that, and then there's also our personal hunger. And so, you know, one of your questions are, what are some of the keys? Yeah. I, I think stay hungry. Keep crying out for God. Keep pressing in. Keep doing the things that you did at first. You know, as this scripture says, like, remember the things that you did at first. Remember your first love. Like, don't ever leave first love. Like, just stay in that space. But then there's also, there's some stuff that you just, it's just God. And and he just comes and he does something. But there is, there are, there are millions of people all over the earth right now praying for a move of God. There's probably more prayer right now than there ever has been on the earth, you know. And that's saying a lot. But there's more people right now than there ever has been on the well, earth. Well, that's true. And there's just the, but the prayer movement, you know. I I think about the global prayer movement. There's so much prayer and so much um, intention towards the the coming move of God, and um. If we've ever been primed and ready for a move of God, I I see it now. You know, my dad talks about like in the '60s and the '70s, and when the Jesus People movement happened, he's like, Emily, it's worse now. Like as, as we're in the same kind of uh, you know chaos and division and like all of that political stuff and just where intellectualism is exalting itself above you know anything practical and um and there's just chaos 
And he's like, it reminds me of when he was in college as a young man. And, and then the Holy Spirit just came, you know, and he got swept up in it. And he goes, I just, I feel that. I feel that again. Like if we're ever primed and ready for a move of God, it's now. But I feel like probably every generation at some point has that thing. You know, there's there's my children who were born in that outpouring time, but they're older now and they don't remember. And I'm like, I want my kids to experience this. I've experienced it. My parents have experienced it. You know, um, people that are in their 80s in our community have experienced it two and three times. You know, like right. I'm like, come again, Holy Spirit. It's time. You know, I want... I don't want my kids just to know good stories. I want them to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I think prayer is a huge key. Would you would you go so far as to say that, that this next outpouring might be the last one? I have no idea. I mean, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I know a lot of uh, people in our circle would say it probably is the last great awakening. A well, lot of people I respect say that. I don't know. Well, if you think about it, the ability to spread the word is unlike it's mm-hmm. ever been. Ever. And yeah, I mean, just the, the podcast we're making right now is mm-hmm. a good example of it. Yeah. You know, there there are hundreds of ways to communicate that just a few years ago, many didn't even exist. There's connection like there's never been yes. with both video yeah. and audio. So, you know, there was a time when radio was the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. And so right now I can pick up my phone at just about any place yeah. on the planet and watch a replay of Pensacola mm-hmm. uh, or see something Todd White's doing yeah. or watch Jesus Pursuit, yeah. you know, while it's happening or within a few seconds. Yeah. There's always a delay. So there is, because you know, that the scripture says that everybody on the mm-hmm. planet will hear. Right. Everybody will know. Um, uh, I know people, you know, that are part of the global missionary sending movement and, uh, you know, at YWAM, Youth with the Mission, and they have all the Bible translators there right now. Like every major organization is collaborating together right now for every tribe and every tongue to have the word of God in their own and they're saying it will be done in the next like two to three years translated. But I mean, those types of things have never even been possible before. Right. And and they're happening so rapidly. So yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet. But at the same time, like, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, I know that like people a hundred years ago thought the Lord was coming back. I remember, you know, like friends in school, like our mom would be on the other side of the grocery store and we would think that they got raptured, you know? So like, I just, I'm not putting, I'm not like going to make a claim, but it's pretty easy to say when you look at scripture and you look at the world right now that we are definitely in the birth pangs. I think we've kind of covered, uh, is there a great and final revival comment? We we mostly covered that already. Yeah, we, I maybe so. The the hunger thing though, you know, you said, you said that the, the key, to to or one of the keys to yeah. the church um, moving into revival is to stay hungry. How? How do you stay hungry? Well, I think when you feed on something, you desire it more, right? So, um, like I said, when you've tasted and seen and you've experienced something, you want more of it, like you just do. So, I think first it comes from just feeding yourself the Word of God, feasting on His goodness pressing in for his presence. Um, for me personally, you know, everybody's wired different, but 
for me personally, times spent alone with God, both in his written word, um, just talking to him relationally. I know he's, I know he's God. I know he's King. I know he's Savior, but he's also a friend and a comforter and a companion. And he is my leader in life. And I look to him um, for wisdom and guidance. I just talk to him about, you know, all things, parenting, all of it. Just the more time spent with him, the more I want to spend with him. I love worship. I love walks. And those are those times where, you know, we, I feel like I steal away with him. Like, um, and that creates hunger for more of it. Um, and yeah, I would just say constantly feeding yourself. It makes you more hungry. It just does. Well, one of the books that will be in the, um, the first series is called The Three Hinges. And it's the three hinges. Through a long drug out translation, the word comes out hinge. Or it's one of the words that's mm-hmm. suggested. Um, and the hinge is what turns a door. Okay, we think we're pushing and pulling. But without the hinge, it's a massive struggle to get the right. door out of your way. The gate, whatever it is. Yeah. And this, this, these three hinges are, are, are something that the Lord showed me probably about a year and a half ago and that is to read the word Mm -hmm. to pray Pray. and to worship and those three things to me when i don't do one of those in a day's time i suffer Mm -hmm. and it's not like it's not punishment suffer it's just like yeah exactly it's like and like you like you you said a second ago what you consume you hunger yeah. for. Yeah. So right now, sitting in my fridge is some leftover steaks. Mm-hmm. I'm a big steak eater. I love a good steak. And so as soon as we're done here, <laughs> it's not because I've never had them before. Right. But it's because I've had them. them before. Yeah, right. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's because I've had the Holy Spirit yeah. that I desire the word time in conversation and prayer sounds so boring especially if you grew up in church and all they ever did was pray Mm -hmm. but it's not and we 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 uh pigeonhole prayer we we kind of put it in a box in this and try to define it i have conversations with my wife because i need to communicate with my wife and i enjoy talking to her yeah it's not all just business it's out of enjoyment yeah back and forth Exactly. And that's part of what we have to understand that prayer is. Yeah. Worship is where you get in the presence Mm -hmm. and that will ruin you, Mm -hmm. period. And, you know, hunger for the word doesn't come just because you've read it. It becomes, it comes, the hunger for the word comes because of revelation when the Holy Spirit starts to show you what God is saying to you through his word. Totally. And that takes I hate to keep repeating myself, but that takes intentionality. Mm-hmm. You have to choose. And that that's really, I think that's really what it comes down to is you talked about personal revival. And that is, that is the first, literally yeah. the first, you don't go to church and get into their revival. You go to church and bring your revival right. with you. Right. So that first thing is we choose. I'm not satisfied. Your friend was curious because mm-hmm. she wasn't satisfied. Right. With not knowing. And when we get satisfied, I think that's probably the biggest, most destructive thing that can happen to yeah. our walk with Christ is to be satisfied with our walk with Christ. I'm always going to want more. Right. I am always going to want more because there is so much more. Uh, like what you, your quote about from Bobby Connor. Mm-hmm. Too familiar with, too God, familiar with a God we know nothing about. Yeah. 
it's like, um, I, you know, one of the things that I've always struggled with is when people say, well, this is the way we do it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you understand that the way you do it is on a level very, very, very low compared to the level God's on. Mm-hmm. We need to always choose to rise yeah. higher because that's where God is. And if we get satisfied, somebody said one time that the number one naysayers about every revival was the leadership of their previous revival. Oh, yeah. And the reason is, is because they got that massive, amazing revelation. It's like, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. But then they say, okay, this is how it's done. Mm -hmm. So so you're telling me that God can't do it another way, you know? So there's a, there's a lot, but I, you know, just, just, and I'm just going to, and I know I've already bragged on you guys and Jesus Pursuit Church, but knowing I'm in a place where the people are hungry for more, Mm -hmm. the leadership is hungry for more, it it's such an exciting place to be. And I hope, I hope that I will never take that for granted. Because I hope we a, never take it for a, granted. It's a big too. deal. Yeah. yeah. As as Christians, yeah. as the big C church, we should never take a move of God for granted. Yeah. The Bible's uh, full of revival. It's full of uh, yeah. records of, of moves of God. It's, it happened time and time and time again. The difference is, is, is we have to get to a place. And I know this is kind of, uh, kind of baffle saying that's probably where I got it from. We have to get to a place where the sustained move of God mm-hmm. is more important than just a move of God. Right. So yeah, and I believe that. I mean, for on some levels, we're still in that. You know, it looks different than it did before, but I mean, a sustained move of God is mostly what I've known. You know, so yeah. I I fully believe that that is the way that we've always been meant to live. Amen. 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 Uh, always to be in the presence. Yes. And to walk in the garden face to face with yeah. God on a regular basis. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's this been has been fun. a great a great uh, discussion. And uh, maybe we can do it again. I'm certainly looking forward to the time that we're going to have with Denny. Yeah. And uh, he told me when he got back from, from his great white, uh, great, North, northern, whatever it was, something up north. Yeah. He said that we would discuss it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And um, uh, God bless you. Thank you yeah. so much for Thank being you. our pastor. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you have received something from our time together. It is our honor and privilege to partner with others in an effort to bring God's word to the world around us. If you have questions or comments, you can contact us through our website at connectionlife.org. Please don't forget to like us and follow us for future notifications on Spotify and whatever platform you're listening. Thanks and God bless you.